Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. You can earn four times points on your top two eligible spending categories every month, like transit, U.S. restaurants, and gas stations. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Four times points on up to $150,000 in purchases per year. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Yeah, there should be some passion. This doesn't have to be boring. Boring, boring. Hey, one thing the game needs is more people like you. You, you. Still have grown men run around tight pants. It's Mookie Betts. It's Daniel Bard. It's Steve Aoki. Here's Saul Tlamachia. This is Brock Holt. Hey, this is John Lester. Baseball is baseball. Baseball isn't boring. Welcome to Baseball Isn't Boring. Here's your host, Rob Bradford. All right. Forget about free agency. Just forget about free agency for a little bit. Forget about it. Forget about trade. Forget about all of it. We have to understand that in a month and a half, probably less than a month and a half, spring training is going to start. And this is when we actually define who is going to be playing where, who is in the best shape of their lives, all of that. And most importantly, the the young prospects who are going to be potentially enormous parts of major league teams or not on any team at all. And there's no better person in the planet to break this down than Sam Dykstra of MLB Pipeline. And Sam, you know, I say this is that I'm saying this. This is great because in two months when we actually figure out the rosters, it might be completely different. It's like, can we believe we were talking about this guy making the team? And I'll give you an example, a guy we just had on couple days ago, Nolan Jones. I know that Nolan Jones wasn't like a prospect, but the whole point was he was traded. He thought he was going to make the team, and he has a terrible spring training, a terrible spring training, and then obviously figured things out and had a great year. But spring training is so weird, but it's also when it comes to like the top prospects, this is what it's all about, especially for you. Yeah, I mean, it's tough always balancing that, right, of like – hey, this is the first time we've seen these guys in a while. What are they doing differently? But it's still a small sample. Some of these guys are only getting, you know, five, six at-bats a week on the Major League side. How much of that is enough to prove that you're Major League ready? It's 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 tough. I, I go back to a few years ago, Robin, you remember this, I'm sure, when Jackie Bradley Jr. was coming up. Oh, and he yeah. was the, the hot, big prospect for the Red Sox. Had a great spring. They just signed Grady Sizemore, too. Everybody's like, put in Jackie Bradley Jr. He seems ready. And they waited a little, little while longer because as hot of a spring as he had, 
there are other factors involved. So like it's it's always tough balancing that. But it's better to get fresh results than relying on what we had in 2023. Well, and then and then the other part about it, the original Jackie Bradley one was 2013, where he he hits like 800 in spring training. Right, right. Force, forces his way on the team. And then this is the another part of this is service time, right? The the service time thing was yeah. it, so it's it's that was that but you can't I remember everyone saying, Oh my goodness, you can't have him in the, you can't have him in the major leagues for 20 days because he's gonna you're gonna lose a year of service time. And then all of a sudden it just became the the spring training conversations are so fascinating. And I assume you're gonna be well, I remember seeing you last year going around talking to the prospects. What was the one if you and I should have prepped you on this, but last year, what do you remember about seeing a prospect in spring training during your travels? Which is a cold, it's a cool time of year for you, I would imagine, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it's breezing into town. One, one, one team a day. The way I do it, um, I split it up with my colleagues Jim Callis and Jonathan Mayo. Each of us take ten organizations. I had the golf side of Florida last year, so I hit up the 10 teams on that side. Um, when I saw you in Red Sox camp last year, I talked to Sadon Rafaela, yeah. and I just had highlight clips of his on it, loaded up on an iPad on my colleague Kelsey Hennigan's iPad. That was a just great article. That was great. Yeah, I really enjoyed doing that. It, it's, it's a little bit different than what they're doing in the regular spring training monotony of what shape are you in? What did you work on this offseason? It's just like, try to come up with fresh new ideas, because I am the new guy. I'm not you know, it's easy to fall back into those. Like, I haven't talked to you yet. Let's catch up on a million different things and try to be fresh and new. Um, so I'm going to try to do more of that. We'll see. I haven't gotten my spring training assignments yet. We'll see where I, where I land. But I would like to do more of that video-based or tool-based discussions with the guys. By the way, you've you've done your penance on the Florida Gulf Coast. Because, <laughs> because in case people don't understand the geography of spring training, there's Arizona, which is you can get about 10 teams done in a day. Yep. And then there's a Florida Gulf Coast, which you can maybe get two teams done in th- three days because everything's so spread out. So, um, yeah, so you've done your penance. But what was the – going back to – again, going back to last year, was there – I'm trying to think. Was there a top prospect that either took off or went the other way? I want to say um, maybe with the Cardinals, um, who was drawing a blank. Who, who, like, well, Jordan Walker for Jordan his Walker, way. Jordan yeah. Walker, yeah. and then obviously struggled in the first half, but really came along strong. I mean, he's a breakout candidate for me in year two. Um, yeah, the big question for him was they moved him to the outfield in the AFL before that. How was he going to stick defensively? It wasn't very good, but Jordan Walker hits the ball hard. He has a pretty good approach as long as he grows into it. Took, took him some time, but he did earn a spot at, at a spring training, but he, and he tore it up. I mean, and this is another thing, yeah. and this is another element before we get to some of the here and the nows of spring training that that is really really deceiving and i and i'll go back to jackie bradley where spring training sam the first half of it is is straight balls down right down the middle or a established pitcher working on a changeup which he hasn't haven't thrown in four years or something like that. So you have a lot of these inflated numbers, and then you would get the last couple of weeks, and all of a sudden, wait a second, why isn't this guy still tearing it up? And uh, so it's really, and we as media members, we get so caught up in it because we're starved for reaction. Right. And and like almost universally, 
I love looking back at spring training numbers. I'm like, what? What? Cesar Crespo, <laughs> Cesar Crespo walked 50 times in spring training. He hasn't walked since. So anyway, it's but still, it's not going to stop us from overreacting and predicting and everything else. So you you have some some of the top prospects, guys that you that we've heard their names of, but now we're pour, we're sort of folding them in in a little bit different context because they're actually going to be playing in major league games against major leaguers, trying to make major league teams start wherever you want. Uh, but I know these these names you're going to say are going to excite people because they excite people, right? We got right. Yeah, I mean, everybody we're talking about here is a consensus top 10 prospect in the game or, or will be by the time lists are updated. Um, the one I'll start with is number one is Jackson Holiday, uh, because something we haven't talked about yet are the prospect promotion incentives. Uh, you know, service time used to be a concern, and it still is if a guy's not going to be the opening day on the opening day roster. But if he is and he wins rookie of the year, you get an extra draft pick. You get a draft pick at the end of the year, which the Orioles just went through. Gunnar Henderson, rookie of the year in the American League. He earned them a, a pick at the end of the first round. The D-backs, the same thing with Corbin Carroll. So if you're looking at Jackson Holiday, the number one prospect in baseball, climbed four levels last year, went from single A to triple A in his first full season out of high school, played really well at every level, didn't look overly challenged at AAA, grew into that to that level, and you think, okay, I know we have a lot of infield options through the Orioles. They have tons of them. Like Gunnar Henderson is a shortstop or a third baseman, but they have Joey Ortiz, they have Jordan Westberg, they have, you go on down the list, they have really good prospects. Connor Norby is a second baseman who could be major league ready. Jorge Mateo, like, when you look at that roster, none of them, except for maybe Gunnar Henderson, has the ceiling of Jackson Holiday. Hmm. So if you think this is a guy who has attacked every level really well, can adjust, has been around the game since he was born. He was been he's been in major league dugouts and clubhouses with his father. Like nothing's going to shock him about the major league level. He's not going to op- walk into a clubhouse and get big eyed. Yeah. You consider starting him on opening day. Now, if he hits a buck fifty in spring, like that argument's going to be tougher to make. But he has every capability of winning Rookie of the Year if he gets a full 162-game season because of his hit tool, because he's a pretty good runner, because the power is going to play, and it's going to increase as he gets stronger as the year goes on. That's that's a battle I'm, I'm really excited to watch because that would be huge for him to make an opening day roster for a team that it's actually competitive. This is not him just like, hey, we've been saving this spot for you for a long time. This is him earning a spot on a team that has World Series aspirations. Well, a, a couple things. Number one is that it will be interesting to see. Well, first of all, this guy, to your point, every level he has gone, it's it's been the same. I mean, maybe AAA a little bit down, but not down where where he's hitting a hundred one ninety. Like right. he's still excelling. He's still excelling his brief time there. When he got called up to double A, I think that was the eye-opening one, right? Oh, you know, he's going to double A, and we've seen other prospects really take their lumps out of the gate. And even a guy like Jordan Lawler, who made it to the major leagues, it, you know, it took him a little bit. You know, he started, I believe he started a year at double A, but yeah. he was okay. But it wasn't like it wasn't like Jackson Holiday. So the expectation is, my expectation is that. Off of what we've seen in this kid, I don't know how he will, would do in the first month of a major league season, but I have a pretty good idea he'll do really well in spring training, I think. That's my yeah. 
Well, he also was in, that was one of my big moments from last year was I, I went to Orioles spring training again. I was on the golf side and I also caught a few Orioles games because that's just how the schedule winded up. And he was usually traveling because he was the new guy, but he was in major league camp. They had him around. Like they, they believed enough in him as the number one overall pick in 2022. Like I get it, but he was still coming out of high school. Normally those guys don't show up until weeks later. They wanted him in that environment. Um, so they've trusted him since day one and he's answered the bell every time. So when it comes to and when it comes to how that looks on the Orioles, like you said, put them at shortstop. I think one of the good things is that, as you said, they're established. They they have a good team. They have a good team around him. It's not like you have to say, "Here, go hit leadoff or or hit third and go go be fantastic." Remember, Gunnar Henderson was bad the first month. Right. It's it's kind of amazing he won Rookie of the Year. As bad as he was, I remember interviewing him. I think it was, you know, and it was early on, and I kind of felt bad. I felt bad because I'm like, you know, I'm talking about you being this hot shot, and you're hitting like a hundred. So, but my point is, is that the Orioles can carry him while he figures things out, even if he's not good. Yeah, I mean, he only needs to hit eighth or ninth, and he won't be there very long. But I think that's the story of rookies the last few years. You look at Adley Rutschman, even before Gunnar Henderson, the year before, he really struggled coming out of the gate when he first made the major leagues. Bobby Witt Jr. was not a great rookie uh, for a while there. Now he there's talk about him maybe being in an MVP discussion because of his power and speed and, and defense improving at, at shortstop. These really, really talented guys, they figure it out. And we, we've seen that the last few years. The jump from AAA to the majors, I think, has never been bigger. Um, and part of that is coming off the pandemic when the major league guys were humming along and still playing and guys coming up didn't have that uh, minor league experience because of the canceled season. But the really good ones get there eventually. And and it might not take very long for Jackson Holiday, but it could take a little bit of time. And the Orioles are deep enough to cover. How is Holiday's defense in your eyes? Because that's it's, a it, part of this. Yeah, it's pretty good. Um, it's not like his best tool. By any means, it's it's definitely an offense first uh, position. But I think he is good enough to play short, and then the bat is good enough there that he's going to be really, really good value for such a premium position. All right, all right. I mean, this even before you said this, and even before people listen to this, which is going to excite people. But even before that, like this is this is going to be one of the things in spring training. He was going to be he's going to be in the crosshairs because he was in the crosshairs all last year. He, everyone knew his name, and then they continue to know his name even more as the year went on. And all of a sudden, people like the shiny new objects. Well, in spring training, uh, along with some of the other names you're going to mention, Jackson yeah. Holiday is the shiniest of new objects for baseball fans, even more so than last year. Right. Right. Yeah. And and considering how young he is. I mean, it's just a whole nother level. And, and you know, I've I've long been waiting for the Orioles to ter- take that turn into contention. They certainly did it last year. And this is just another nail in that of them. Imagine Gunnar Henderson and uh, Jackson Holiday on the left side of your infield for for years yeah. and years to come. That's, that's you, scary for everybody else. And as you said, by the way, they also have like eight second basemen who they can yeah, right. call up. Yeah. And, and uh, yeah, I want to. What that's note to self. I want to re re loop with Buck Britton, one of the the uh, ha- the happiest men on earth, who is the Triple <laughs> A manager. Great guy, Zach Britton's brother, and uh, and just managing that team is just looks incredible. Um, all right, who who else you got? 
Yeah, I mean, the other one, we'll, we'll move down to number two on our list right now uh, on MLB Pipeline's Top 100, and that's another Jackson, Jackson Churio, who I feel so much better about him making an opening day roster because he's coming off signing that eight-year, $82 million extension with the Brewers. I mean, that that is a reward for how good he is and how confident the, the Brewers are in him for the long term. There's still that question, like they've said, it, this doesn't guarantee him an opening day spot. It basically does, right? Like, you don't do this unless you think this guy is fully ready. But the Brewers are are fascinating to me from an outfield perspective. They brought up Sal Freelich last year, uh, former BC guy. Can play the corners, is really fast, plays a really good center field himself. Joey Weimer was really talented defensively, had some swing and miss issues last year in his rookie year, but he's still there. Garrett Mitchell might be the fastest of anybody we're talking about. He was a former first-round pick for the Brewers. He's coming off injury, but he might be the best actual defensive center fielder that they have. They also, you know, they they still have options there in the outfield too with Christian Yelich. Like, there's only three spots here. How they're going to make this fit is is fascinating to me. I think what ends up happening is you get Churio in center, Freelich in right, Yelich in left, and that's a really really good outfield. But because of how many options the Brewers have, they could conceivably say like Jackson go down to AAA Nashville, get a few more hacks because he only got a cup of coffee there last year. Um, you know, get your Get your extra experience in in the international league, and we'll bring you up. Your contract's still there; it's it's not going anywhere. There's not that pressure of service time. You're you're locked in now. Um, but I, I, we'll see how it's going to go. But this guy has really good power, really good speed. He was a 2040 guy. The last teenager to go 2040 in the minor leagues was Ronald Acuna Jr. Hmm. Another guy to do that before yeah, Acuna was Andrew Jones. So the what he's doing isn't without precedent, but the precedent precedent is really really good. Well, it, it was of all these things that you've talked about, this is another guy everyone wants to see, if for no other reason, because of the contract, because mm-hmm. of the historic contract. And this is one of the things that's going to fascinate me about how this kid handles it. It's human nature, where it's spring training can giveth and spring training can taketh away. And and so this guy's going through now – He'd gone through spring training, his spring trainings before. He's gone through his minor league seasons before. But one thing that he hasn't done is gone through a spring training with everyone with that contract following him around. And I'm not saying like I think the the guy's going to be a star. Okay, we I think we we all think that. But if he goes through spring training and has just a bad three weeks, everyone's going to be. Not everyone. The executives and brewers, they won't be freaking out. But, you know, it, the, the the writers and the fans who have nothing else to do but to have overreactions to things, they're like, oh, did you see this? Oh, my goodness, <laughs> the guy who got this contract is hitting 100 in the Cactus League? So, right. yeah, I, that's the part that's going to interest me because there are going to be a lot of eyeballs on him because of that contract. Yeah, and the only thing I'll say about that is he's still 19 as we speak. I mean, right. he's turning 20 in the middle of March. So if he comes out hitting a buck fifty, like it's fine, it's totally fine. It's an eight-year deal. You're signing him for the long term, so you get him locked in in the, those really prime years. But I, I'm not that worried about it. Uh, he's always shown an ability to adjust, especially last year in Double A Biloxi. He really hit his stride in in July, particularly, um, and that came after the Southern League moved away from the tacky balls. That's not going to be an issue in, in the major leagues. Uh, but even if he's not hitting really well, he's super fast. He can make things happen in center field. Jackson Churio will be electric in other ways. Hmm. Which if you had, if you, here's, here's a, here's a weird question for you. 
if you could say you have a you can go here MLB pipeline you have your choice you can go watch Jackson Holiday play or Chorio play Ugh. Sam Dykstra who who would you say you want say this say like over a three day span because like who knows if what they're gonna do that over a three day span or or who would you say to your someone who is becoming a baseball fan. This is a weird question, but yeah. it's always a baseball fan. You got to go watch that guy play because both dynamic guys in their own way. Right. I mean, if I, if I was telling another fan who to watch, it would probably be Churio just because I think like center fielders are so much more fun to watch. Like he can cover the gaps really well. And again, if he goes over three with two strikeouts, like he might make a fantastic catch going uh, to his right and left center. There's just so many other things he can do. Uh, Jackson Holiday can hit the cover off the ball, but it's more of an aggregate thing, right? Like you look up at a few weeks into the season, you realize this guy's hitting 330. Mm. And that's that's special, and that's great to have on your team, and that's really valuable. But if you have three days, I just think Jackson Churio is more highlight-worthy than Jackson Holiday. Okay, that's a good answer. Good See, that's why I asked. <laughs> there you go. All but right. that doesn't change how I see them as prospects. For the record, we are no, not. No, this is not an electricity no, rankings. No. This is a prospect ranks. I just want no, to be clear. No, no, this is this is just a random, fun, stupid yeah. question. Um, right. All right, what do you got next? Yeah, so the other one I'm going to be watching is the the big three from the 2023 draft last year. Uh, they were part of a bigger five. That's Paul Skeens, uh, Dylan Cruz, Wyatt Langford, Walker Jenkins, and Max Clark. Jenkins and Clark are high school guys. They're not making a major league roster. This is their first spring. It's just going to be getting their feet wet with that experience. It'll be cool to check in on them, but that it's not but, like but a. But to your point, they'll probably play in some games. You know. Oh, totally. Yeah. Yeah. And when so, they do, that'll be like the talk of Lakeland and Fort Myers at oh, the time. Believe me, we 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 need that. We <laughs> we, we need that. Yeah. I, when when big number ninety seven comes in for the twins with no name on the back of his uniform, <laughs> you're like, "Where's Max Clark? Can we have him like swoop in?" Anyway, right. go ahead, go ahead. Well, Let's yeah, so, so and Langford, yeah, yeah, Skeens, Langford, and Cruz. Hmm. All three of those guys, I think, have a legit shot to make the opening day roster because of the the PPI thing that we were talking about earlier. The incentive to put a guy on the roster if you think he's ready. I think the most interesting debate. Of that group is Langford. This is a guy who, coming out of Florida, we knew hit the ball hard, uh, was a really special hitter. It's hit over defense, might end up in left field long term, can play some center, but the power is what's going to drive uh, the issue here. And then he comes out in pro ball and slugs above 600, makes AAA. It was to the point where we were really asking amongst ourselves, like, would the Rangers really consider him <laughs> as a bench bat during the postseason? I remember that, yeah. It, it never got to that point. It never actually happened, but he was just so good that he might have been one of their best hitters in the entire organization at the time, months after he was drafted out of Florida. So what do you do with him? And they ended up not using him. That's fine. Like That would be very aggressive. They won the World Series. Everything worked out in Texas. Not a concern. But now we enter spring training. Bruce Bochy was asked about Wyatt Langford at the winter meetings, and it was on MLB Network, and I wanted to write this quote down. And he said, "Like, listen, it's all performance-based. I don't care how the young they are. Chris Young doesn't care how young they are. If you are the best player, we're going to play you. They proved that with Evan Carter. Now you look at their outfield now, Adolis Garcia is not going anywhere. Evan Carter's not going anywhere. Leody Tavares is a really good defensive center fielder, was about league average last year. 
But if you're looking at the Rangers right now, I think their best outfield is putting Langford in left, Carter in center, and Garcia in right. And they're out to repeat. They're, they're not out here to just like play with service time and play the long game. They they want to get back to the World Series and be there from day one. I think Langford's ready now. I, I think it's going to be fascinating to see how they handle that. Um, if Tavares was worse, this would be a much easier call. Uh, but I, I think Lankford could knock down the door. And then you look at Cruz and Skeens, they're playing in the Nationals and Pirate Systems, both teams still rebuilding. They don't have something to play for on day one, but they also don't have anybody blocking their path, mm-hmm. especially Cruz. I think Cruz could be the starting center fielder for the Nats, no problem. Mm-hmm. Um, and Paul Skeens, I think he needs a few more reps. He didn't get as much playing time at the end of the year. That's because they're saving bullets with his arm, but he's going to be our top pitching prospect again. And, you know, the guy throws 100 miles an hour, can go above that, has a really, really good slider that some people think is better than his fastball. That stuff would play in the majors right now. Why waste his bullets in AAA if you think he's ready? One of the things you said, which was what Bochi said, and I think that it's, this is one of the things that's changed, is we don't care how old he is. They used to care how old he was, but here's the way the baseball is going now, Sam, more than ever, the acceptance of 20-year-olds in major leagues I would I would like to look this up and say you know what the you know how many 20 21 year olds are are in the majors now compared to 10 years ago right my guess is more I I, I do feel like there's an acceptance and part of that is is what you said if if you feel like they're gonna help the team then that's it and and this is another conversation but when they get in the clubhouse, if, if the players now they're like they're more accepting of the twenty and twenty one year olds, whereas before they're like, oh, nay, you know what, you got to go sit in the corner of the cafeteria. <laughs> so, but but I think all of that factors in to how things have changed. If you're good, if you're good enough, it doesn't matter. You know, it's when you have Salas sitting there, what is eighteen year old for the Padres? Okay, younger than that, seventeen. Yeah, seventeen, yeah. right? So, I mean, he might be making the majors. Like 19 years old, who knows? Right. 18, yeah. you know, who knows? So, yeah, so I, if you're good, you're going to play. But the schemes one is really intriguing to me. And everybody, especially when everyone gets a load of him in spring training and sees him blow away like some all-star, oh, he's ready, he's ready, he's ready. My gut is that they're going to be, ah, man, my gut is that they're not going to, they're not going to do it. Yeah, he's the one I feel the least confident in. Um, again, just because he didn't have that pro experience. Like, Langford reached AAA last year. Cruz reached AA. Skeens reached AA, too, but was coming off a long season at LSU. Helped them win a College World Series. Um, used a lot of his innings in the season. You probably want him getting those those reps. And you want he might be on a little bit more of a pitch limit coming out of the gate. If he's throwing 75, 80 pitches in April... Do you want those to be at the major league line or major league level, and you know you're taxing your bullpen when that happens, or do you let that happen at Indianapolis where you get guys more looks anyways? I, I, we played this game the other day of trying to guess when certain guys were going to be up, and I think I had Skeens in late April. Mm. Um, I'm going to stick to that. That's, uh, that's good. I think I think you nailed it. Yeah, but it's not it's not out of the realm of possibility because if like uh, some people have predicted, like he is a rookie of the year candidate right there with the Yamamoto. Um, and if he's there on opening day, he gets the Pirates an extra draft pick, and we know that they're, they're rebuilding. That that extra pick could be huge. I love that rule. I love it. 
it's so much better than like tying ourselves in a knots, wondering if a guy is going to be 20 days in the uh, all that stuff that I mentioned before. But it's is there a is there another pitcher to potentially, uh, you know, maybe in your top 10, top 20 that could emerge as a very viable rotation piece for a team coming out of spring training? Yeah, I mean. The one that immediately comes to mind, and, and I, I want to put it to the side real quick, just Kyle Harrison with the Giants. Um, he came up last year, so we've already seen him a little bit. But in terms of guys maybe pushing their way toward a major league debut, Ricky Tiedemann uh, with the Toronto Blue Jays. He last year dealt with some biceps and shoulders injuries uh, that held him back, limited him during the regular season because I thought he was going to debut last year. Um, I thought he could have helped the Jays in the bullpen at least uh, at the very end of last year. His fastball is really good in the mid-90s. He's got a sweeping slider uh, that looks like a plus pitch. His changeup, some people will put plus-plus on. Uh, he does really good against right-handers because of it. All the the things are there. He just didn't pitch much last year. Then he got to the Arizona Fall League, was the pitcher of the year in the AFL. Looked every bit of the Ricky Tiedemann that we saw in 2022. So now he's entering spring. And he should be healthy, you know, knock on wood, fingers crossed, all that stuff. Uh, if he's healthy, the stuff is there for him to be like a legit number four, number five option for Toronto. Or maybe if they're worried about innings with him, put him in the bullpen, make him a long man, really, you know, keep him limited in that role, but use his pitches towards the major league team because they are good enough to get major league batters out right now. And if the stuff holds up entering spring, if he's still going mid nineties, if that slider is still getting whiffs, like... I would give him a look and and temper it at the beginning so he's strong in August and September. But, you know, again, he's too good to just be letting go in AAA if you think he's healthy. Well, the last one is, is we all know that Tampa has, you know, they're going to figure out a way to be good. Um, even despite trading Tyler Glass now, even despite Shane McClanahan's injury, all of these things. So there's got to be a pitcher who comes up and it's good. <laughs> and and Taj Bradley, I, you know, he's already had his. He's already been up. It's assumed that he's going to be there. But is there someone else? I remember before you answer. Yeah. When we do the broadcast of spring training games, there's always a guy who you watch, and you're like, that's different. It was McClanahan a few years ago. It was Oviedo for uh, Pittsburgh, honestly, last year. And again, I, I'm drawing from the the your 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 neck of the woods, Gulf Coast, mm-hmm. east east co- the the west coast of Florida. But McClanahan was just oh man, oh, wow, right. yeah. So anyway, who is the next Tampa person? <laughs> uh, that's the thing is that you look at their farm system right now; it doesn't have that really standout pitcher anymore. Um, you, you could look at Shane Boz. Like, he's not technically a prospect anymore, but he's coming off Tommy John surgery. He was a top 100 guy before. His fastball is really, really good. Um, some people think he's a future closer uh, just because of all the pieces aren't quite there. You don't know what he's going to be like coming off Tommy John surgery. But I think if he is healthy, he's a big addition to throw back into that list. He's not going to be eligible for Rookie of the Year. He graduated in 2022 before the injuries. But He's an interesting guy to throw back in that mix. One guy I want to throw out who they just added to their 40-man. I don't think he's going to make a major league roster, but he will be in spring training, and he could really pop for some people because he'll be getting you know great for league games. It's Yaniel Coret. 
who's a 21-year-old pitcher, was 20 for the, last year. The fastball and slider are two at least plus pitches. They could be plus plus. It was just absolutely nasty stuff last year in single A. He got whiffs left and right. The control is a real problem. Uh, he could easily actually it, – it would be an interesting debate. Who's a future closer? Who's better, Boz or Corette? I think Corette is more geared towards being a closer. But because he's on the 40-man now, he needed to be added to be protected from the Rule 5 draft. If he wasn't protected, he would have been picked. Somebody would have thought, like, let's get that fastball and slider in the majors right now and just see what we have. So they protected him. Uh, he walked 73 guys in 104 innings, which that's going to be tough. He's going to need to improve that control. But if he gets in some some uh, some innings in the Grapefruit League, that stuff's going to make some people really raise their eyebrows. He'll probably be a, roughly a top 10 prospect in that raise system. Uh, they don't have that arm really that's popping quite yet, but he he's on his way at the very least. Listen, this is, there's no better blueprint or primer for spring training right now. And and it's not er- too early. It just only seems early because stupid baseball decided to have their offseason transactions all go into late January. This yeah, year. I know. But, but it's, it's – Sam, I mean, we're talking about – you know, a month, a month and a half, what, a month and a half till games, till we play yeah. games. So this is important. We are doing God's work here. So, so <laughs> this. And I'm, and I, I know that it's a good time. I, I like spring training a lot. I like it. And I know you do too. There's no better time to get to know guys. I mean, just as reporters and writers, I mean, the, it's much more relaxed. You get a lot better stuff that you might not use on the day, but you save for something else. Um, you know, it, it can feel mundane as early as March, but it's still the, it, the opportunity to gather new material and talk to these guys about what they've been doing differently. Just set that primer for the year is huge. And I, I love it every year. And the, the rite of passage of overreacting to everything too, where oh, of course yeah, we get that pass in spring training. <laughs> I, I have plenty of examples of that. Uh, all right. Well, awesome stuff as always. Thanks, Sam. Yeah. Thanks so much, Rob. In celebration of opening day, we've got a special episode of the moth podcast for you. The theme is baseball and the surprising ways it connects people. I gaze out at the players on the field and then I, uh, I look over at my dad and I, I realize that in the silence between us that something has changed. It's like I'm seeing him for the first time. Two stories about baseball, family, and so much more. The episode's available right now. Subscribe to The Moth Podcast to make sure you hear it.